Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DiMeglio, and the waiting is finally over. As Rangers' top prospect, Brennan Othman, has been called up to the NHL. Joining me today is the one guy in the fan base who knows more about Othman than anyone else, Stat Boy Steven. Steven, I'm sure this is a very exciting moment for you. How are you doing? Um, yeah, yeah. Look, it's. Uh, I'm glad that he's getting his chance uh, to play in the NHL. Um, Nice birthday gift by Drury because he's turning 21 tomorrow. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I know. Very happy about it. Um, spoke to some of his family members earlier. They're, they're, they're thrilled. Um, so we'll see what happens. Looks like he'll be starting in the, on the third or the fourth line, depending on how you look at the lineup. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what the ice time turns out to be. Uh, it's always, always tough to predict before the game. Uh, but in the morning skate, he was play. He was uh, lined up with Brodzinski and Bonino. Yeah, and that's third or fourth line. We're not sure about that as of right now. We don't. We don't know how Laviolette's going to deploy that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Deploy that. But I. I mean, I think since Pitlick is out week week to week, um, I'm thinking this is probably most likely going to be like Offman's role here. Like he's he's up here until Pitlick is good to go. Um, unless, you know, they just want to give him a cup of coffee, like a game or two, and, you know, they feel he's not ready, and they send him back down. Because they were taking it pretty slow with Offman. They didn't call him up. I thought he had a really good preseason, but they took it slow with him. Let him play in the AHL a little bit of time with, with Knobloch before um, – Knobloch went to the Oilers, and now uh, Steve Smith, right? That's the coach down there, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so work, work in the AHL there with Hartford, and he was doing pretty well. I think he had 23 points in 29 games. Correct me if I'm wrong. Something like that. And that also included a, a, a six- or seven-game point drought early in the season where he was very unlucky and nothing worked for him. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy that he's getting his chance, but this is a typical Rangers thing to do, right? Um, you you call up one of your top prospects, you play him in a, in a limited role just to get his feet wet, and then you take it from there. The Rangers are very conservative, very cautious when it comes to this, uh, more so than other teams, which can be very frustrating for fans, of course, but it's just the way the Rangers do it. We can argue all day whether it's the right or the wrong way to do it, but... If you look at the players in his draft class, and and I spent some time earlier today looking up their time on ice in their NHL debut, you have Beneers with 1710, uh, McTavish 1440, uh, Matt Coronado 1438, uh, Dylan Gunther 1433. Now, those first two are the first and third overall picks, so I don't put too much uh, emphasis on that, but. like uh, Cole Sillinger, uh, 1337, William Eklund, 1401, uh, Matthew Nyes with the Maple Leafs, of course, 1309, uh, Isa Grozen, 13 minutes flat, uh, Mackie Semoskevich for the Florida Panthers, 1234, so and then Ken Johnson, 1105. So you see that that other teams are very comfortable giving giving that that type a player from that draft class. 13, 14 minutes in their in their NHL debut. I don't know if that's going to happen with Hoffman. Of course, a lot will depend on special teams. And as we know, especially the power play uh, relies heavily on that first unit. 
we're kind of back to where we were under Galand, where the first unit plays like 80 to 90 seconds. And that second unit, uh, unless there's like a like a clear under one minute mark, they basically are left with, uh, they, they get leftovers on the power play. So if Othman is on the second unit, I don't expect a lot of ice time to come from there. He's not going to be on the, po- on the penalty kill. So it has to come five on five. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how much he gets. Um, but yeah, happy for him. I think what the Rangers can expect from him, you know, he's a very hard-nosed player. He's he's a pest. He gets under your skin. Opponents will hate him. Um, he's he four checks. He's not a great skater. He's he's not super fast, but he's he four checks and he never gives up. And his shot is probably the best shot on the team. Already. So, yeah, he's this was this was his like if you have to name one thing about Hoffman that's like his his premium skill, it's his shot. And right. everywhere he played, he's he's used it. You know, he he's deadly with it. And in preseason, we saw it as well. Uh, when when the Rangers were down and they pulled their goalie, Othman was out there and he scored, I think, two goals with the goalie pull during preseason. And that's kind of what you want from a player. Like those are the moments where your clutch players step up. So hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. Hopefully we're not trailing late. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, but that's what you can expect. I do, yeah. on the other hand, I like that he's playing with Bernino and Brodzinski because they're defensively reliable players. And uh, that's probably one thing that Offman will struggle with, with a little bit early in the NHL, the defensive side of the game, as so many young players do. Um, but yeah, Bernino and Brodzinski, um, he, he doesn't have to worry about defense with those two guys on his line. And um, he's Altman spoke to Vince Macariano this morning and said that it was actually Johnny Brodzinski who uh, who took him under his wing and, you know, explained some stuff to him. So he has a familiar face there because, of course, they played together in Hartford earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, this is a miss. I think it's a missed opportunity for the Wolfpack line. You know, he played with Brodzinski, but maybe they could have done Hoffman, uh, Brodzinski, Will Cooley on the right side. I know Othman hasn't played the right side in, in Hartford. He, he's been strictly left wing from what I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe they didn't want to put him on the right side, like in his first NHL game, just yeah. play him wherever he's and comfortable. That's, and that's fine. That's understandable. You right. know, first NHL game, you want to play, you want to put him where the player feels comfortable. Yeah. And yeah, they did try him at right wing in preseason. He played some right wing in juniors and also in the pros overseas when he played in Switzerland in his draft year. He played right wing for Team Canada a couple of games and at the under twenties. Um, and if you look at if you looked at him when he played in Flint, especially, uh, he he plays left wing, but he lines up on the right side a lot, especially offensively. So there's definitely familiarity there. It's not like he's an out and out left wing like Chris Kreider. Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely an, an opportunity there if they need someone. The question is, how comfortable is the coaching staff putting a young player like Hoffman or Cooley on the right wing when they see him as a left wing? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a big deal. And even Capo Caco said it in an interview earlier this season, switching from left to right is not a big deal. And Caco can say that because in his draft year back in Finland with TPS, he played the majority of the games in Liga on the left. And then he comes to the NHL and plays on the right. Hmm. And Pavel Buchnevich played on the right in Russia, played right wing for the Rangers for five years, goes to St. Louis, moves to the left and becomes a point-per-game player. 
So I do understand why people say you cannot you cannot count on a player making the transition, but it's also not set in stone that it's impossible. You know, and, and even with centers, look at Sebastian Aho. He played wing in Finland. Hedo played wing in the Czech Republic. Kevin Hayes played wing in college. You know, players move to different positions. It happens. There are also players who don't, who are not comfortable moving. But it's not it's not like it's a one-size-fits-all approach where you say, well, you've played left wing for the last two years, so you cannot play right wing. Mm-hmm. Alexander Holtz, uh, sixth or seventh overall pick for the Devils in 2020, played uh, right wing for Joe Gordon in the SHL, but then left wing for Sweden in the World Juniors. And then when the scouting reports came out in, ahead of the draft, he was listed as a left winger, which I always thought fun, uh, was funny because he did play the majority of his games right wing. It was only for Sweden he played left wing because of Lucas Raymond. Yeah. So, yeah, this, the, the, the versatility is there. And Altman has said it several times. And he's also played right wing. So it's not like he's never played it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for the first game, yeah, put him on left wing and – I wish he would have gotten a bigger role, but on the other hand, I also understand you cannot you cannot break up the top six with how they've produced, yeah. even though I think production itself is not a super reliable statistic to, to look at performance because there's so much more to hockey than just putting up points. It goes a long way, but mm-hmm. there's more to it. Um, but yeah, Kreider, Zibanejad, Wheeler, stay together. Panarin, Trojek, Lafreniere, stay together. And... This is what you what you can expect from Laviolette. He doesn't really change the lines that much, as we saw under Gallant and under Quinn and under Ellen Vigneault, and even going back to Tortorella. Um, Peter Laviolette just sticks to a lineup, and if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, the Rangers played a, played a game where in the final five minutes, Schneider and Gustafsson gave up a terrible goal. They were benched for the final five to six minutes of the game. And the next game, they're back in the lineup, and I kind of like that. You know, players don't have to don't have to walk tiptoe around a coach and be worried about them losing their their spot in the lineup because they make one or two mistakes. Mm-hmm. I do like that, and I think the players like that too. I so, think Laviolette too is good. He will give an extra shift here and there to someone that's yeah. playing really well, like Panarin, mm-hmm. for example. He'll double shift him. Lafreniere, I've even seen it this year. Even recently, he's gotten shifts with Kreider's advantage at. He's gotten like yeah. an extra shift or two. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it's out of the question, even though Othman's not lined up in the top six for his first game. If he's playing really well tonight, let's say, for example, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bump up for a shift or two, maybe with mm-hmm. like Panarin or the, the top line, like, and Wheeler get the shift down or something like that. I think I think if he's playing really well tonight, if he's throwing the body, forechecking, maybe not. He doesn't even have to score, but he's just playing well. Maybe Laviolette will throw him a bone. You know what I mean? I don't think that's yeah, and, question. Yeah, and you, you always have a couple of shifts after the power play and after the penalty kill yeah, where, that's where you know, you have combinations that aren't the same as the arm paper because you have to put a line out there. And if, if Kreider and Zibanejad come off the power play, who are you going to put Wheeler out there with? So then you might see, I don't know, uh, Benino, Offman, and Wheeler for a shift just to, to give Kreider and Zibanejad a bit of a rest after the power play. But yeah. in general, yeah, Benino and Brodzinski will be his linemates if the morning skate is any indication. Um, I'm just happy that, it's, that, that, he's, that he's making his NHL debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shares a birthday with my wife. So 
when the game starts tonight at midnight, it'll be January 5th, and it'll be Offman's birthday here when he's awesome. on the ice. That's so. actually – January 5th is my brother's birthday too. So there oh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hopefully hopefully Offman uh, gets a goal gets a goal tonight in preparation for his 21st. Yeah. Um, Edstrom got a goal in his in his NHL debut a couple of weeks ago, yep. if you remember. Yeah. Um, and before that, the last Ranger to make his debut at the Garden and score was Leah Anderson. So I remember um, that game. So yeah, and- let, let, let's let's hope let's hope the same storyline is in the books for uh, for Offman for his debut. Let's hope he gets a goal. But if he doesn't, you know, and you know, on the one hand, I want him to score a hat trick and do well <laughs> and be on the first line and. But on the other hand, I'm also I'm also realistic enough to say that if he doesn't score a goal, he is turning 21 tomorrow. He he still has a lot of room to grow. But as a fan, I just I as a fan, I'm impatient. But it, as a neutral hockey fan, looking at it, I can I can look at it, take a step back, and go, okay, he's, even if he doesn't score a goal, still going to be a great night for him, and and build from there. And it's kind of similar to Will Cooley last year. Will Cooley got, I think, four games around the All Star break, just to see what how he would ha- how he would handle himself, how he would do, um, and yeah, um, I think that's kind of the the same thought process here with Hoffman. Um, but yeah, for him to make his NHL debut at the Garden is going to be great. There's some other factors to it as well. He's playing his debut against the Chicago Blackhawks with his former teammates, Connor Bedard and Kevin Korczynski, who he won the World Juniors gold medal with. Of course, he has Cooley on the, on the, on the team, who he played, who he won the gold medal with at the World Juniors. So there's, aside from, from like, the, the guys he played with in Hartford this year, there are some familiar faces for him mm-hmm. uh, out there on the ice tonight. Yeah. Uh, Bedard's first game at MSG. Uh... Hopefully he doesn't torch the Rangers. Uh, Let's hope it's not like Panera's first game at SM. Oh my gosh! Yeah, remember that? <laughs> yeah. Did you know, by the way, like just a quick detour here. Artemi Panarin has recorded six hat tricks in the NHL, and all of them involved the New York Rangers. The first two were against the Rangers at the Garden, and the other four were for the Rangers. <laughs> of course. Of course, it, you know it's uh, it's the bread man. They're gonna retire yeah. his jersey when when he retires. His jersey gets retired twice because of multi point Panarin. <laughs> um, but with with Othman, um, you kind of want that. I get what you're saying. Like you want the hat trick as a fan. You want that mm-hmm. debut, like this the Braden Schneider debut from yeah. a couple like years when, ago. When Estrom scored in the final seconds right. of that game, I must have woken up some neighbors. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was great. And Edstrom is another guy that you know I've been I've been you know following for years, uh, sharing his his his. I've done I've included him in the recaps for years. So to to see him get to that level and actually score a goal that that's really cool. You know, I got to interview him a couple of times, and you know to to see him score a goal at the Garden in his debut that's special. And mm-hmm. if the same thing happens for Hoffman tonight, I'm going to be so happy, you know, over the moon. So, you know, let's hope. Look at internal, internal replacements for Hedl if he's out long, if he's out for the rest of the season, and the Rangers, for whatever reason, don't want to go a higher player. I think Edstrom's 
number one on that list for a replacement, even though we've only seen one game. He actually, he, I told you this a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, he leads the Rangers in, in uh, penalties drawn for 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, small sample size, but we'll ignore it this time. <laughs> um, now, uh, yeah, Ekstrom uh, played center and left wing in Europe. Um, and and he's a guy that, that in his first game at, at the Garden did not look out of place. He did not look like a player making his debut. Not at all. And I think he's like, I don't have anything to back this up because there's no way I can possibly research this, but I'm going to go on record and say Adam Ekstrom is the only player in NHL history to have his rookie lap after he scored his first goal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good luck trying to find that. There's uh, no way to research it. So I guess a claim I can easily make. Uh, Yeah. He had his rookie lap in a second game because the first game he was a game time decision. So he didn't have the rookie lap. Yeah, and who else? Yeah, try and research this one too. Who else? Who's had their rookie lap and not played in that game? Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's another that's another yeah. layer to it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's he, definitely the first player to score his first goal before his rookie lap, and his rookie lap was in a game where he didn't play. That's that one hundred percent. He's the only one. Yeah, that's a that's a needle in a haystack, right? That's like one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, the NHL has been around for over 100 years. That's, that's yeah. but, um, never happened before. Replacements for Hedl internally, it's probably Offman and down the line, maybe McConnell Barker. But really, McConnell Bar- Barker, you would you would include in that? Co- I don't know, man. I don't know about like that. down the line. I'm talking about down two, three line. years from you know, oh, like two, three years from the yeah, 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 yeah down the sure. line. I'm not talking about at the end of the season. No, you know, no, no. Even, no. Okay. He's dealing with an injury now as well, but like the center depth in our in our prospect pool is not that great. No, no. They they you know, definitely we have, we have a lot of wingers, we have a lot of goalies, but defensemen and centers, that's not our strong suit. So we definitely need to uh either acquire someone in a trade, sign someone in free agency, uh maybe an undrafted guy out of college, I don't know. Uh but for this season, I I honestly think the Rangers are going to trade for a center. If they if they know Hedo's not coming back during the regular season, they're gonna make a trade for a center at the end of January. Um, and I was actually listening to uh, Vince McCogliano's podcast the other day, and he was talking to Jeff Merrick, who brought up an interesting point that in the last couple of years, what you see is that teams are making the big trades early. They don't wait until deadline day anymore. You know, last year there was Bo Horvat who was traded to the Islanders, I think, on February first. That was a early um, trade. Uh, Tarasenko last year to the Rangers was a couple of weeks before the deadline. The yep. year before it was the same with Frank Vetrano. So the impact players, if you have the cap space, and the Rangers will have the uh, LTI space if Hedo is out for the season, if you have that cap space to work with, it's it's almost too risky to wait for the deadline. So teams will just pull the trigger a couple of weeks early. Right. Um, if Hedo if, if is if Hedo makes it to the trade deadline and the Rangers make a trade for someone with a high cap hit, Hedo's not coming back for the rest of the regular season. They won't be able. No, to but I think unless inter- they trade, unless they trade like Goudreau, which yeah. is probably not going to happen because teams no. are going to want you to eat some salary or throw in a sweetener, and I don't and know if the Rangers are going to want to do that. I probably. would rather buy him out than than retain salary or add assets to yeah. get rid of him. I saw that yesterday. I think in the second or. Th- Third, I think in the third year, the Rangers it would go on the Rangers books as a three 
at least three million dollars it would it would charge the Rangers in the cap yeah, in the but, penalty. Of course, but and and that's you you never get out of a buyout looking good. But um, yeah, uh, if the Rangers are looking for a center that they probably know internally already whether or not Hedl comes back. They may not have said anything like in public, but internally they probably already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't. We haven't seen the Rangers abuse or take advantage of. Let me let me phrase it like that. Take advantage of the LTIR pool money that no. other teams have done in the past. But the player has to be has to not be healthy. Like can't be healthy. To, yeah, to and this they is have this to is my, last this is until the playoffs. This is my problem with the LTIR rule because, as far as I can tell, and I've read through the CBA, as far as I can tell, there's no rule that states that a player has to come with LTIR if he's healthy, and I think that's an issue. And I don't want to go off topic too much, but I wish the NHL would introduce a rule where. If a player is deemed healthy by an independent doctor and healthy to play, he has to be activated within 24 hours. Otherwise, he's ineligible for the playoffs. So what Tampa Bay did with Kucherov, what 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 the, what the Blackhawks did with Kane in 2015, that was the first time it happened. Everyone forgets about that one. But they traded for Antoine Vermet, and then they activated Kane the first day of the playoffs. But he was an LTIR, even though he was, was good to go. There should be... There should be a, a rule added to it where if the player is healthy, he has to be activated. And if you cannot do it within 24 hours, that player should not be eligible for the playoffs. And it should be in advance of of the playoffs, too. Like, you should do it a week or two ahead. Like, there should be a cutoff that you have to – that you have to – Yeah. Say. And, like, and this, this player is, is going to be ready. But this is why it should be independent doctors and not team doctors. You cannot have a doctor on the team's payroll make that decision. Biased, yes. So absolutely. I, yeah, I, no, I get what you're saying. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen because in 2015, the Tampa Bay Lightning of all of all teams actually opted to have the rule changed, and none of the other 30 teams voted in favor of it. And then they went on and used that rule. So if yeah, exactly. So then Tampa uses it and everyone loses their mar- their marbles, but they were the only team that wanted to change the rule like five, six years prior, and nobody wanted to change it. So that makes anyway, to, to, circle, to circle back to the Rangers, um, if he goes out for the season, they already know they're going to – they're probably going to target a center to replace him because you, you cannot really go into the into the playoffs with Benino and Goudreau no, as your politics center. Yeah, I would like to, I would like to say Benino has looked out of place on the third line. Um he can no longer do what he did for for Pittsburgh when he won the two cups. He can't he yeah. can't play that way. He's not in, he doesn't drive the offense. He's good defensively. I like that he wins faceoffs and block shots. I love that about him. But he's not a third liner. And Barkley yeah. Goodrow, I've spoken well, neither neither is Goodrow. Yes, but wait, 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 hang on. Let me get let me let me say what I was gonna say about Goodrow. Um I've gone on this show previously and spoken very highly of Barkley Goodrow. I used to like him a lot. I thought he was a great player. I thought he brought a lot to the table. I thought he would draw, force the opposition into, into taking bad penalties. I thought he was producing. He's not an effective player anymore. This season, he is struggling mightily. 
It's hard to notice him. Uh, offensively, he does nothing. Defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. And uh, it's it's really it's really difficult that we have to admit this now. But I mean, that three point six million dollars it's a it's a huge huge detriment to where the Rangers are right now. I mean, there are plenty of players that could do the same things that Goudreau is doing right now, or even better than what Goudreau is doing now for much cheaper. Unfortunately, Goudreau has has regressed a lot this season. Mm-hmm. I, in the past couple of seasons, I was fine with it. Last year, I was starting to get a little fed up with him. First season, I was fine with, but you know, he's not he's not an effective player anymore. The Rangers, it would be wise if they could find a replacement, but it's not going to be easy because no team has cap space, and it's not like they're going to be able to take on a contract like that. That's there's three years after this year left on the deal, three point six million dollar cap hit it's going to be very difficult to move that so yeah. what steven's saying maybe a buyout um but Hedel went home it, back on to Hedel. Hedel went home to reset back to czechia he, he they use the word reset uh to you know clear his head and, and stuff work with work in a place he's familiar with um i think they expect him back in new york before or after the all-star break i don't know if that means he's going to be with the team but if it's a concussion, which it probably is, I don't think that he should be playing until the end of the regular season. Um, yeah, probably, he probably, probably he's had multiple concussions now, and it's not good. It's like concussions are really, really bad to deal with um, in hockey for sure. Um, if he comes back too early and he's not the same player, then you're handicapping yourself. You're not going to be able to acquire a player that's going to help you. So if you use the LTIR space, you could go after a guy like Elias Lindholm. Elias Lindholm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the. Oh Rangers no, no, you, you had it right the first time, Elias. Elias, okay, I was right. Elias Lindholm, yeah. All right, good. Uh, I have to make sure I'm pronouncing the names before Stephen gets mad at me. Um, <laughs> but you go after a guy like that, then your center depth is the Banajad, Trocheck, and Lindholm. Yeah. How much better is that than what you have now? And then you can and, bump Bonino down to the fourth line and Goodrow's your $3.6 million press box healthy scratch. Yeah, and, and if Hedl comes back in that case, you still have the option of putting him on the wing. Because offensively, he's a guy that can definitely help a Kreider's advantage at one. If he comes back. That's that's a big effort. Hedl. Hedl, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Capococco returned to practice on uh, Thursday, which is today. Um, he's wearing a non-contact jersey, so that's a very, very good sign. I think he's coming back sooner rather. I think they'll activate him before the trade deadline. Um, more confident in saying that than saying yeah. the Rangers. Capo uh, was on the ice with a non-contact jersey today, so it's still a couple of weeks away for him, but it's progress. Mm-hmm. Um. He had Kako. All right, with him, it's interesting because I thought he was going to be really good this season. I thought he was going to have his breakout year. He was not effective offensively, but yeah. if you look at the numbers, the underlying numbers, and the advanced analytics, they say that the Kreider's advantage ad were doing way better with him than they are with Wheeler. Well, it, um, it's hard to. to just, I don't know. What do you think about that, Stephen? Without getting into advanced analytics, because it's it's very difficult to explain that on a on a on a podcast like this. 
without getting into advanced analytics, if only you look at like raw production five on five when those three were together. When those three played together five on five, Kako had two points, Kreider had two points, and Zibanejad at one point. In how many there games? Were, That's at least 10 games. That was, I think it was, yeah, it was 10 or 15 games. Right. 10 or 15 but games. That's not good I'm enough. Not, yeah. I'm not saying Kako is the solution for that line, but he's but he's definitely not the issue. He's not the he's not the outlier in a negative way on that line. And that line just didn't work. Like the expected goals were there and and the advanced analytics showed that they were really good, but like expected goals are not going to win you games. Like short term I guess. Long term it's something you can build on, but expected goals are not going to win you games. So they had to they had to make a change. And I wish, I wish we we reached the point where Kreider and Zibanejad would be broken up, because it has lasted way too long. Those two have been together for way too many years, and five on five, they've never been good. They've been decent with Buchnevich, they've been decent with uh, Vetrano, but they've never been good five on five. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. So. The change you're going to make is right wing. Wheeler comes in, and Wheeler has really stepped it up the last couple of couple he of weeks. Has, he has. He's really improved. Really happy about that for eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. He does everything you could have wished for 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 a contract that cheap. Um, but if Kako comes back, I, I I guarantee you this team's going to be better defensively. Because if you look at the Rangers without Kako, they're ten six and zero, oh, and I think they were fifteen four and one with Kako before mm. the injury. The Rangers so, are seven and six in their last 13 games, believe Yeah. So it, it, he may not show up on the score sheet a lot this season, but, and this is what we said earlier as well, there's more to hockey than just putting up points. And you cannot, you cannot with a straight face say that the Rangers are better with Brodzinski than they are with Kako. Mm. Sorry. I like Brodzinski. But he's not a better player than Kako. Exactly. No. Yeah, I agree with I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think Kako in a third line role is certainly better yeah. than that. Uh, that hot streak Brodzinski was on when he was called up was great, and I, I, I put put him on my team in fantasy, and I got some great value out of him for a couple of weeks. Uh, I bet you did. <laughs> but he's he's on the third line now, and the Cooley Bonino Brodzinski line doesn't have any offense. No. It's it. There's not much it could do. I mean, like Cooley could forecheck, and you know they could create a so, couple of chances, but and this is not this is score a goal. Yeah, this is why I kind of understand the the positioning of Othman a little bit. Benino and Brodzinski haven't really haven't really produced when they play together. Maybe Othman can can add some offense to that line. We'll and Cooley yeah, we'll Cooley essentially replacing Pitlick on the fourth, where Cooley and where, where VZ moves to the right. But we don't know which is the third and which is the fourth line. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's, uh, oh man, how, what time is it? 7.30. Still four and a half hours to go. Yeah. 2.33 here. Um, with, if, you know, they break up Kreider's advantage ad, maybe Offman's advantage ad, Kako, something like that. And then you would do like Kreider, Trocek, and like Blake Wheeler. And then... Panera and Lafreniere. Earlier in the season, I would have put Cooley on the top line with Zibanejad because I think that's he, the type he was of player that well. Actually, yeah, he was playing really well. Yeah, he's still. I still like him. I st I think yeah. Cooley's still playing really well. 
and it's not it's not about how good he is as a player because lineups are more than just putting your best three best players on the top line and then your next three best players on the second line. It's com- more complicated than that. You need players that mesh well together. Mm-hmm. Cooley, the way he plays, I think would definitely benefit the lines advantage that is on. But yeah, when I when I when I kind of see that, unfortunately. That's when I went to the preseason game, the Rangers played the Islanders. The the line at the top line they used for that game was Offman, Trocheck, and Kako. That was yes. a, that one looked really, really good. That line looked great. Um, yeah. I would love to see that make a return, but I don't know how it would be in the regular season. Well, that's why it's preseason, right? No, you, you, you try know. it in preseason, and right. It worked. It worked really well, though. Like they were, yeah. they played really well. But again, it's uh, it was preseason. You're up against uh, looser competition, so I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. There's yeah. definitely, there's definitely players the Rangers should go out and acquire. I think, I think they got to get a replacement for Braden Schneider. I think the experiment is done. I, I I hate to say it. Yeah, um, look, I I get it. I like the kid. I think I always thought I always thought pretty highly of him. Yeah. I like always defended him. But it's getting to that point now where it's like, all right, man, yeah. like, this guy might have reached a ceiling. And yeah, he um, like I, I got I got I got criticized on Twitter for or I got attacked on Twitter for criticizing Schneider's recent performance, but he's just he's just not cutting it at the moment. Like it might and this is why I wouldn't mind him being a healthy scratch for a game or two, because a healthy scratch is not always a punishment. No. Healthy scratch can be a very valuable lesson for, especially a young player like Schneider. You get to sit in the press box. You get to see your teammates from from that top down view, where and and this is different than than going over video footage. Like you sit in the press box, you watch the game, and and you can learn from that. And, and a healthy scratch is not always a punishment. That's that's my main point. But. Yeah, um, the way Schneider is playing this season, it kind of reminds me of Dell's auto and his regression. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's not the trend he's on. Um, and he's still young. He's like, what, 22? Uh, um, yeah, 20, I think he turned 22 or 21. He's 22, 22 years 22. old. Yeah. 22. Yeah. yeah, he turned 22 a couple of months ago. He's still young, especially for a defenseman. But it's okay to to call out a player if he's not having a good game. You know, that doesn't mean you're a bad fan. That doesn't mean you hate the player. Like Schneider has had some bad games. To be perfectly honest, Fox has been pretty bad since he came back from his injury too. Yeah, definitely like, not as effective. Even though he's putting up the points, he doesn't feel the, the, only, same. the only good defenseman we have recently that's consistently good every game is Truba. Yeah, believe it or not, actually, Trooper's having a pretty good season. The guy who was who was who was almost bullied out of town last year is consistently our best defenseman the last month and a half. It's the way the captain's got to play. No, like uh, even Lindgren has been spotty. Lindgren's no for real. Everybody has been spotty. Gustafson, who is reliable, he's making mistakes. Yeah. Gustafson, making- Gustafson had his best games when Fox was out. Yeah, he was. He played like a madman when yeah. Fox was out. But Gustafson was great, even on the power play. He was, he was fine. He yeah. was great. Yeah, and um, I, look, I, I know this was also a controversial thing to say when Fox came back from his injury, but I wanted Fox on the second power play unit. 
because that first unit was working already, regardless of who the defenseman was. They were scoring goals with Gustafsson. But what I want as a fan, I want my team to have two good units. Two good units, yeah, instead of just Not just one. one. Because, look, tell me I'm wrong, but the moment the first power play unit goes to the bench, there's no reason to watch the next minute, right? <laughs> just go to the kitchen, pour yourself a drink. That's what I do. It's like that's the moment like where you need to go to the bathroom, but you don't want to yeah. wait for the commercial break. Exactly. You go there. Bathroom then. break is when the yeah, second power play unit comes on. No, no, you're you're in the right for saying that. Absolutely. Because and you have AHL guys on. You have Brodzinski yeah. out there. Heedle's yeah. no is injured. Kako is injured. They're not yeah. even using Miller. Like they there's not much there. No. And so but, I mean, if you want to spread it out a little bit more, then go ahead. I yeah. would I would do that like a one A one B type thing, but it, I don't know that that would have been a, a a interesting idea to do. I don't know about if it would have been Fox to to use him because the, 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 look Fox is the player that can turn that second unit into something. That's true, that's true. And, but also you would have to you would have to divide the time up wisely. Like the yeah, first that's, line that's, would have to shoot for a, a stoppage. Like they'd have to mm-hmm. shoot into the glove. Yeah, but to get a stoppage. Joey, Joey, if you have two competent units, as a coach, you are comfortable to start either unit. You can start the second unit. And then right. and this is what I this is what I think coaches should take more advantage of. Start this, especially at home, when you have the last change, start the second unit on the power play. I know it's controversial, I know it's out of the box, but hear me out. You start the second unit on a power play, right? You go up against their first PK unit. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. But 30 seconds later, what are they going to do? Your first unit comes on. What are they going to do? Are they going to change for their second PK unit? Or is their first PK unit going to stay on for for, uh, for a long shot? And that's where you can strike. The war of attrition. Yeah. Exactly. that's what you would, yeah, that's a smart move. That's a smart move. And if you have, if you have like Fox out, okay, so in like taking what you said, like if you have Fox on that second unit and you start with there, that would make mm-hmm. that first unit work hard. So it almost, because you still have Panarin, you still have Panarin as a playmaker on that first unit. To cha- make a change and bring out their second unit to match the Rangers' first unit. Yeah. Like at the end of last season, after the deadline, the Rangers had. Kane and Panarin on the second unit. That's what that was yeah. the one time they had a uh, a one and, eight. Yeah, and the, and the first unit I think was uh, Zibanejad, Kreider, Tarasenko, Heedle, and Fox. Yeah, and the second unit was Panarin, Trocheck, Kane, Lafreniere, and Miller, I guess, or Truba, Miller or Truba. Yeah, but and and I I. I actually kept count of this. When they had those two units, they were 10 for 27 on the power play. Pretty good. Yeah. When Gallant switched back to what I call the all-star unit, Kreider. Oh, yeah, ben, wait, remember? Yeah, I forgot about that. That's when they, they started struggling. They were three for 31 when they oh, switched back to, to to having a top unit and a shit unit. My God, yeah. that They was... went from 10 for 27 to, to three for 31. I think that's what Callahan was complaining about in the playoffs that one that one game. I think he he complained about that. That because, was one of the things he said. Because 
for opponents, once you figure out how to play against our first power play unit, you're winning. Look at Carolina last game. If you figure out our first unit, you're done. Easy. Easiest assignment in hockey. When you play the Rangers shorthanded, all you have to find is one solution. Because the second unit doesn't do shit. They, how many goals does the second unit have that weren't deflections this season? You can count on one hand. How many goals does the second unit have this year? I think three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know the last one by Lafreniere was definitely a deflection. The one goal that the second unit had was the, the Brodzinski uh, goal against the Kings. That was nice. Yeah. That was it, though. <laughs> That's the only one that I could remember. Like, Lafreniere had one in Calgary, I think. And then I think Lafreniere had two power play goals this year, actually. Yeah, and I think both were deflections, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. So only one shot has been has been a uh Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, um wait, wait, wait. Evan brought this up, uh, Ranger Central. Wheeler had a, a, a goofy tapping goal at one point at home. Yes, that was the Minnesota game. I remember that was his first yeah. goal as a Ranger. Yes. Coming back to me. Give me two competent units and I'm happy. Yeah. So the Rangers are going to have to make an upgrade there. I think they're going to have to make a trade. Um, and, you know, if you go for Lindholm, I know, like as far, look, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen because he is the name out there and other teams are going to be interested as well. But Carolina, uh, Calgary is going to go on a fire set. So Lindholm, if you can get him, man, all of a sudden it's a lot easier to, uh, to, to split up your players on the power play. Yeah, absolutely. Because then know, you have this, you could if you want to put Trocheck and Zvanj out on the first unit, you can't because you're going to have Lindholm on the second unit. You can have Lind Lindholm and Hedl on the second right. unit, and I still want to see Panarin on that left dot with a shot, especially the way he's shooting this season. But you can only do that if Zvanj and Panarin are are on separate units. Yeah, yeah, like puts it. Yeah, I think that's fine. I would put Panarin on like the first unit, and then like Zibanejad in the same spot on the second unit. What's that? So, so the first unit would be Kreider, Zibanejad, uh, Kreider, Zibanejad, Trocheck, Gustafsson, and Lafreniere, for instance. Yeah. The second unit would be uh, Cooley, uh, net front, Panarin, Lindholm. Kako, uh, Kako, or or Hoffman with a shot if he if he's on. The oh team yeah, then. yeah, or Hoffman, yeah. If he's and still then up, and then yeah. Fox quarterbacking the second unit. Yeah, that, that would be good. Spread the wealth, and you have two good units. But you know what it would take. It's never gonna happen. You know what it would take for that to happen. It's like the Rangers' power play would have to struggle mightily for even to consider a change like that because the Rangers. Yeah. Are, Special teams this year has been really good. So, well, and, and to, to, all right. So, I know what you're going to say. You're going to be like, okay, production is like, doesn't constitute, you know, that it's, uh, that it's not like unbreakable. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. Joey, Joey, been, Joey, here, here's the thing. When you look at power play success, right? Do you include power play goal when you're already up 4 1? I mean, uh, I wouldn't. Because but. for me, and, I don't know. I probably have to look if this is already tracked. If not, I might just do a, a, a manual search for the season. 
I want to see what the Rangers' power play percentage is in closed games, where you're either up by a goal, down by a goal, or tied. Because for me, scoring a power play goal when you're up 4-1, like against Tampa, is meaningless. Yeah. Okay. Like it's a stat pattern. Yeah, yeah. I get what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it's stat padding. Like to me, that that shouldn't that shouldn't count as that shouldn't count towards how successful your power play is. So, how many goals, like stat padding power play goals, do you think the Rangers have have had? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But if you are already up by two goals, I think a power play goal should not should not be. I mean, it's uh, big because you don't want them to come back in the game. But like in the grand scheme of things, like no, I get, I get that. But close games, so one-goal games or tied games, those are much more important situations for your power play to get you a goal. Yeah, yeah. I No, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But I don't I don't think a coach is going to say, like, hmm, this uh, refer, like this this power play is going to – I don't think a coach is going to look at that. I think no, but – He's going to look and see, like, all right, we're first in the league in power play or whatever. Of course. I, and I get that. But... Tip their, hang their hat on that. I'm not saying that's right. I'm no. not saying that's right. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, but there I'm is a saying shift, that's that's what it would take for the Rangers to yeah. make that change. There is a shift, though, in how teams are evaluating statistics. There is definitely more of an emphasis on, on situational importance. It's I don't think teams look at it the same way that they did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a shift. Um, but it's kind of like having having the game-winning goal in a 7-1 blowout. Yeah. Like, okay, so you were just lucky enough that your goal was the second of uh, of, of your team in a in a 7-1 blowout. You know, it's yeah. like game-winning goals to me, like if you score the game-winner – in overtime, or if your game-winning goal is the last goal in the game, yeah, that's a genuine game-winning goal. But if you score the first goal of the game and your team goes on to win 6 nothing, I know technically it's a game-winning goal, but I don't give a shit. Right, that, no one's going to go back and remember that. That's, to me, that that's not, that's not what a game-winning goal should be. Yeah, there should be a little bit. There should be nuance in that. So yeah, yeah, like what you're saying makes sense. Like how they're evaluating the players and stuff. That's the and, same with power plays. Yeah. Like if, if you score a power play goal when you're down one one nothing, or you score a power play goal where you're tied two two, that matters way more to me than if you score one when you're already down five nothing, with with four minutes to go. Speaking of evaluations, we have to talk about the World Junior Championships because uh, Gabe Pro, Drew Fortescue, and Adam Sikoro were the Rangers representatives in the World Junior Championships. Yes. Um, what I haven't kept up with them, honestly. So, at what point are we in right now? <laughs> are we in the bracket stage? Uh, yes, yeah, semifinals were today. Sweden beat the Czech Republic, and the U.S. is down two nothing against Finland. Ooh. Time for um, a natural hat trick. Yeah, so hopefully a Perot hat trick to uh, to turn it around. Uh I think they're halfway through the second period now. Um but yeah, look, uh Perot and Fortescue are doing okay. They're not they're not like putting up 
amazing numbers, but they are only 18 years old. Um, they're still eligible to come back next year. And especially Team USA gives bigger roles to to the older players, unless there's a an, 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 uh, like, like an exception, like a Jack Eichel or what Canada had with Bedard. You, you're not going to see a, an 18-year-old be on the top line or on the first on the first uh, pair on defense, but with the roles they they've been given, they've had a they've had a really good tournament. Mm-hmm. I've heard um, that Perot is like killing it. Yeah, the the quarterfinals. Uh, who did they beat in the quarterfinals? Latvia. They beat Latvia six uh, one, I think. I don't know. Oh. I've seen so many. I've seen so many hockey games. The the scores the scores yeah. all blur together at this point. Um, but Perot had two goals and an assist. Uh, was the player of the game for Team USA, and that's kind of what you want for your player. Like, I don't mm-hmm. really care too much about the group stage games. To me, it matters what they do in the quarterfinals, what they do in the semifinal and the final. Um, of course, against Latvia, that is not the toughest opponent, so it's still still not a really good indicator, but. Two goals for him and an assist. A goal for Fortescue from the blue line. Really solid. Yeah, today they play Finland. Uh, either they... Oh, they just scored. It's 2-1. Either they they win and they play the, the final against Sweden. Or they lose and they play for the bronze against the Czech Republic. Sweden beat the Czech Republic 5-2 earlier today. That's uh, Sikora's... No, that's Sikora's Slovakia, right? Yeah, yeah. Sikora plays with uh, Slovakia. They lost in the quarterfinals to Finland, I think. Okay. Did they? This is and but this is Sikora's oh, last. Three. This is Sikora's. Yeah. This is Sikora's uh, last. Yeah, yeah. This is Sikora's last. He's turning twenty in September, so he's not eligible next year. Okay. How did he, he was do the captain. He was the captain for Team Slovakia this tournament, though. So that's that's a that's that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Did he play well too? Yeah, um, it's a very it's it's a disappointing end for Slovakia to go out in the quarterfinals because this was their best generation in two decades, with not just him but also Philip Meshar, who was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, Dalibor Dvorsky, who was drafted by the St. Louis Blues. And they had some guys who were not released by their teams who were in the NHL, like Slavkovsky, uh, Simon Nemec. Uh, this was their generation. And to go out in the quarterfinals is disappointing. But uh, Sokora was named one of the three players of the tournament for Slovakia. Uh, he didn't have the, the points that you want to see from a guy at age 19 at the World Juniors. But um, the fact that he was the captain for that team with so much talent on it, that's a, that's a positive takeaway awesome. for me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good to know too. Like he's a character guy. Yeah, that, that's good to have um, in the Rangers farm. So we've talked about it before. Um, how the Rangers need to have those character guys that you could call up and use on in your bottom mm-hmm. six. And Sakura looks like he could be one of those guys. Um, yeah. So transitioning into the last stage here, um, we have to do the ice cold take segment. Remember, folks, the ice cold take is an accurate statement backed by facts and observations that is solid in nature, similar to a block of ice, i.e. spot on claim. All right. 
Ice cold take segment. Steven, what you got for us? Got to make a got to make a prediction. Anything. NHL prospects. You could say pros in a score right now or anything. Do you remember what my cold take was last time? Mm, no. That Edstrom would be the first call up of the young guys. Oh wow, you got it. You got it. Holy crap. Oh my god. <laughs> Ice cold take. Steven hit the nail on the head. Um, wow. I <laughs> I didn't even realize. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Um Ice Cold Take. I'm saying I'm saying I'm predicting Othman's stat line tonight. I'm saying he's getting 10 minutes of ice time tonight. He's gonna he's gonna be like a bull in the china shop. I think he's gonna be juiced up with adrenaline. He's gonna have five hits and three shots on goal. I don't know if he's gonna score or not, but I'm saying five hits. <laughs> um he's definitely getting he's definitely spending time in a penalty box for sure. <laughs> Um, the way he plays, it's, it's, that's, that's a given. Um, you know what? I think he's going to have a fighting major in his, in his NHL debut. That's my take. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe this, Athanasiu is not on the Blackhawks still, is he? Oof. Um, if he is, like, I would, I would, uh, I would not be surprised. Let's check the lineup for Chicago for tonight. Kara, Kara. No, he's on the wild. Jujar Kara is on the wild. And so it's on... Donato, Bedard, Kurashev. Then is... Nick Felino, Dickinson, Blackwell. Okay. Uh, Reichel, Entwistle, and Goodman. And then Kachuk, Senny, and Reese Johnson. Okay, so Athanasiu is not in the lineup. No. <laughs> he is on the Blackhawks, though. Oh, he uh, is? Okay. Yeah, it says he's, he's on the Blackhawks, though. Oh, yeah, he's on IR. Oh. Maybe maybe they go after Trouba. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they have they have Beauvillier on IR, Tyler Johnson, Seth Jones, Joey Anderson, Taylor Hall, Athanasiu, and Taylor Radish. That's a lot of players on IR. Yeah. Uh, so fighting to Nordy, to Nordy would be an interesting one too. Often uh, versus Nordy. Uh, oh, uh, he'll fight future Ranger Nick Foligno. Oh, yeah, Nick Foligno's a one-year deal. Um, that would be interesting to to look at possible acquisition for the Rangers at the trade deadline. Uh. But often a fighting major, and for me, often five hits, three shots. I, I'm I'm saying no goal, no points tonight. I'm saying he's gonna he'll be noticeable for sure, because when often played like in the preseason, I noticed like he had yeah. he was like all juiced well, up and stuff. He, if you he think back that. to the, if you think back to the to to the Ducks game in December where Extra made his debut. If he had not scored a goal in the final few seconds, we still would have would have all said he had a really good game. He was very noticeable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that was like a reward. That was he earned that goal. Yeah, he only played nine minutes, but he was very noticeable. Um, 
He's also a really good skater, by the way. I think people underestimate how good of a skater Edstrom is. Yeah, for a guy that's six foot seven. No, but even like I hate it when people say he's a good skater for a tall guy because that would insinuate that he's not really a good skater. But even like Adam Edstrom is a good skater for a guy that's six two, and he's six eight. Oh, he's six eight. He's six yeah. eight, and he skates like he's six two. That's good. No, that's yeah. a, that, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That's yeah. yeah that's like that. Isn't that like the size you want to be in the NHL? Like six two, six four, something like that. Yeah, and this like I understand size is important. I think fans often uh, put put too much emphasis on it. Uh, size is important. I don't think size is is necessarily more important than talent. No. Like if two play like. If two players, of course, like if you are talking about Hetman or McElrath, you pick Hetman because out of the two big players, he's the better one. Yes. But you cannot convince me that anyone in the world would pick Dylan McElrath over Jared Spurgeon, who's what, 5'10 or 5'9 even? So anyway, uh, USA just tied it up. Will Smith assisted by Gabriel Perot. Nice. There it is. Gabe Perot gets a point. Ties the game for the USA World Junior yep. Championship. Very nice. Awesome. Um, also, wait, what if it's like Fox compared to Hedman? You know what I mean? Fox compared to Hedman. Um, Fox is small, isn't he? Yeah, Fox is 5'11". Yeah, and Hedman is big. I don't know. That's a tough one because they're both really good. If you're talking about both in their prime, I'd NHL's probably pick Hetman. I'd probably pick Hetman in his prime over Fox in his prime. NHL GMs, I feel like, would do the same thing. If you're talking about in 2024, I pick Fox over Hetman because he has so many years left in his career. But oh yeah, absolutely. In, yeah, but in their prime, I. But I also think a couple GMs would would still pick Hetman. I still think a couple of GMs would pick. Yeah. Like Hetman gets a lot of Norris votes based on reputation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like the same deal with like set why the the Blackhawks traded for Seth Jones like based on reputation you know what I mean like not yeah that's not that's that probably good. the worst that's probably the worst contract in the league yeah man I don't know maybe it's Hoover though but Seth oh Jones yeah now that one's play. bad <laughs> and it just started that's a bad uh, one. yeah bad one all right well Stephen you have anything else to add before we wrap this one up. Um, a lovely just watch the game tonight and enjoy whatever Offman does on the ice. Don't get too hung up on, on him not scoring if he doesn't. Yeah, I agree with that. I will try my best to pay as much attention to this game tonight. I will be working, but I will have the game on in the background. I'll be listening on the radio when I'm taking my deliveries. Um, I'm glad I didn't pay enough attention to that game against Carolina because for everything I've heard, it was not good at all Rangers got that's an understatement out. it was absolutely terrible yeah and i saw some people say like oh the rangers were were outplaying them through the first two periods i'm like wait what difference does that make they were losing like four to one five six one by the, um, the third the, un the untimely penalties killed them in the first four yeah but it, special team that's Carolina was special fix. teams. Carolina was miles better. Looked like the Rangers didn't have anything on the power play. No. 
Yeah. Uh, that's what I was able to see. But like oh, that's what um, one more one more thing, by the way. Go ahead. Um if Chris Kreider scores tonight at the garden, he will have the most goals at the current Madison Square Garden out of any player in NHL history. It's I thought he broke that record. No, uh, that was the record for postseason and regular season combined. But oh. just regular season, he's tied with Roger Bear at the moment with 149. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. So he's got to get one more to get the, just the regular season record. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Ice Cold Takes fans, that was a very awesome episode. Enjoy Offman's debut, Brennan Offman's debut for the New York Rangers tonight on Thursday against the Blackhawks. I uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Happy New Year, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all Closing next time. week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.